Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I once saw a woman standing on a beach wearing a really large black hat and carrying a broom. I realised she was a sandwich. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to... <laughs> yeah! Boom! He knocks him out of the park. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was my intro, man. Oh, my we'll, intro. Just take, we'll just take it from there. I just had to... <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'm Gary. Beaten. And today... We're going to review and discuss The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which released in 2016. Written by Ian Goldberg and Richard Neng, and directed by Andre Overgel. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Austin Tilden and Tommy Tilden, played by Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch. They are a father and son who work at a morgue and crematorium, and one night a sheriff turns up with a body of Jane Doe. He's wondering what has killed her as she is the vital evidence in a group of suicide murders. As Tommy and Austin start to perform the autopsy on the body, they start to uncover a strange mystery and may not survive the night. So this is uh, the first English-speaking film from uh, this Norwegian director who we had actually discussed one of his earlier films, The yeah. uh, Troll Hunter, yeah. a few years ago. And uh, I didn't actually make that connection, even though uh, you know, I've seen both films before. I yeah, yeah. actually never followed who this director was. Uh, but yeah, this is a film that I saw when it first came out. It had a little bit of fanfare. Uh, but interestingly, the, the director for this... Uh, was compelled to want to make this type of horror movie after he attended a screening of The Conjuring, and he straight away he was just like, "I need to find a horror movie script that I can get I can get behind." And the Autopsy of Jane Doe was the script that he found and immediately went into production with this. And I have to say, you know, this film is sort of you know, not many people talk about this one. Yeah, I've not heard anybody really talk about it like especially the fact that like what well, we're talking 2016 right so you know we were talking seven years you know coming up to almost 10 years i i can't remember if we watched it together or if i watched it late one night on the horror channel but i'm certain i had definitely seen this and so i was just like okay i'm not you know, I'm going to do my normal fanfare of researching and wikiing and stuff like that. I'm literally just going to put it on and I'm just going to make my notes as I went. And, it, you know, it, it occurred to me as the film went on, there's very small cast, very tiny cast. I mean, you could even say that it's literally just Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch throughout the movie. But we have the opening um, with, with the sheriff doing his investigation and we have another girlfriend character. So the fact that, like, it's such a small cast... And it's such a cool idea that does kind of pay off. It's really surprising nobody's just like, oh, yeah, you should totally watch this film. Yeah, it is a little bit. Because uh, I think this film, well, I guess what? I, I, I believe in this film slightly underrated. Mm, yeah. And uh, I, I, I really like how unsettling the intro is. Like, there's not much music during the opening credits as the yeah. title comes up. Yeah. And the wind's blowing past the dirt to reveal the title. And we've just kind of got this, this beat that just starts building. Yeah. As yeah. the camera pans through this house as we see these victims i guess <laughs> until yeah. we eventually Bodies? find out that it was a, a murder suicide yeah it gets stranger when they uncover the uh, half buried remains of a girl 
who yeah. appears to have been dead for an unknown period of time. So they have yeah. to get her to the coroner's to have an autopsy and... You know, Brian Cox is pressed to have the answer to why she died by tomorrow morning because the press is going to need to know about this. So it kind of sets the entire film up very well, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, the sheriff section right at the beginning with, with everybody walking through, taking the pictures, and you're looking at the boys, you're like, wow, that's pretty graphic. That's pretty gory. What the fuck? You know, one person's been shot, another one's been stabbed or had their throat slit, another one's been hammered. And you, you up until you find the body in the basement, you could think that, like, one of them just came in like and killed the other two. But it's when they're looking at the body and the sheriff's really confused because, like I said, she's half buried in the soil, but there's no decomposition, you know. And one of his sheriff, one of his deputies turns to him and says, it was like they were trying to get out. You got something? Nothing was stolen. Not a scratch on the outside of the house either. Doesn't look like someone broke in. To me, it looks like they were trying to break out. And you're like, all right, that's unsettling. Right. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't make it any better when they get to the morgue uh, or crematorium with, with Brian Cox. Because, all right, first off, Brian Cox is a fucking ace. Hell yeah. You know, I want to say he does bad in performances like the American Pulse, you know, and maybe Super Troopers too. I haven't seen it, but he was great in Super Troopers. You know, he's great in X-Men too, you know. And so he just brings a bit of, you know, fucking maturity gravitas whatever you want to his role and so immediately i'm like yeah he's the dad but this fucking morgue like it's creepy as fuck right i mean it was <laughs> what founded in 1916 yeah it's like three generations, three generations. Has been in this family yeah and but i think it's an amazing set oh yeah like, yeah because you can see like how old parts of the house are yeah and then the more modern sort of settings as well so uh, it kind of has that weird vibe to it oh yes yeah, weird and, yeah, and creepy, creepy as fuck yeah exactly which is why it's great because i also really like horror films that are predominantly set in one location. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a, well, essentially a haunted house, you know, where you can't get out. Yeah. Uh, but that's also because they're on a timer. They've got to get this done by morning. <laughs> but the film also quite quickly establishes the relationship between Tommy and Austin. Yeah. Father, son, how the son has a new girlfriend and he wants to go and do things with her. As a matter of fact, he also wants to leave the family business and leave the state. Yeah. Uh, but he also doesn't want to leave his dad just yet because uh, mum's just passed away. Yeah, something's happened to mum. They don't go too much into detail how it's, she died it's not, yeah it's not important but I it's know, it, yeah, it just establishes where these are now i know you i know you i know you say that, that it's, it's not important but there's a there is a part in the movie where that like father and son have this family moment and i'm like man i wish i kind of knew more about the, how the mum had passed like what had led up to it. a couple of flashbacks would have been nice but you know like i said the time is on there you've just got to keep father and son going and I'd like this section at the beginning where they're working out how the body died yeah and it's, I, I suppose in a way, it's very paint by numbers that Brian Cox's dad character will teach his son a lesson by going, oh, don't just take a guess. You're supposed to look past the details and all this kind of stuff. And at the same time, I'm just like, well, give the kid a fucking break. You know, you are the dad. You are doing the major responsibilities. And so I, that's what I mean. I kind of wish I would like to know more of what mum's relationship had been like in this little thing because... Girlfriend comes along and the body's being wheeled in and she's like, come out, come do something. And, and son's like, no, I kind of want to go back. And so he goes back and I'm just like, dude, you, you were so fucking close. You were just so close to just walking the fuck away because honestly, do not go the fuck back in there. And he does. 
and it it's super gory. Like I got yeah. off the bat, like when he's showing the girlfriend the bodies and they've got the sheet over the face and she's like, Can I have a look? And he's like, No. Shotgun blast. Yeah, you don't really <laughs> want to look at that. No. I, I do like how um Tommy's just like, Oh, go on then show her. You know, yeah. how how much do you really want to see one of these corpses and uh, it wheels one of them out? Yeah. And it is a bit of a setup here where She's like, what's with the weird bell on their feet? Yeah. And he explains yeah. the whole backstory about how some people were accidentally, you know, reported dead. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes when you tie a bell to them, if you hear the bell going, it means, you know, don't bury them. Yeah, they're not quite dead yet. Yeah. So that will come up in the future. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a, it is actually a fantastic setup. It's, it's Brian Cox, man. Oh, well, oh, like, yeah. Brian Cox is also a phenomenal actor. He, he, he wasn't the first choice for this film. Actually, Martin Sheen was cast Ooh, in the role yeah but martin sheen had scheduling conflicts and had to leave and so then they got brian cox in which i think is a wonderful replacement actually yeah uh, and i i have to say it's it's rare to see a real what feels like a natural father-son relationship yeah these two actors deliver that really really well but i also want to also mention the third actor in the room yeah yes it's um Owen Catherine Kelly, who plays Jane Doe. Yes. And, you know, you might think that, okay, yeah, you know, she she's probably, you know, had a cast done and that's the prosthetic of her on the table. But actually, no. Uh, for eight hours a day, for five weeks of filming, she laid on that table completely naked. And, and got paid. And, and, <laughs> she said she felt incredibly uncomfortable at first oh. because it's basically predominantly you know, men that were making the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she yeah. had um, modeling experience. She had posed naked before. Um, but it was an extended period of time. But the director actually went on to say that she actually was the one that made everyone else feel comfortable and relaxed. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And natural whilst they were doing it. But the reason why she also wanted, well, the director wanted to have an actress there the entire time was because... The eye can tell, you know, as as we get into yeah. 4K graphics, yeah, if you yeah, see yeah. a doll there that's yeah. supposed to be a person, yeah. especially with the amount of required close-ups we're going to get, yeah. uh, and with her extensive background in yoga, she was able to hold her breath and remain still. And so during all those close-ups, you really believe that it's a dead body. Oh, totally, uh, And because, yeah. you know, even though her eyes are kind of glassed over, yeah, yeah. you keep looking at them because the camera keeps cutting back to them. You're like, you're waiting for a sign or spark Man, of life. Yeah, I... Uh, absolutely love that i swear there's a point if you look at her she's just slightly smiling i was like is that a twitch or <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like... i was like she's gonna break up in a smile she's gonna jump up she's gonna do something but and you're the... right about the gore though the prosthetic gore and things that they start pulling out of her during the autopsy oh man yeah well the stages brian cox had set it up brilliantly at the beginning with his son you know talking about what they were looking for and where certain things was he even says like you know, there's a there's a, a death in everybody. You know, you just have to find and find their secrets. Uh, um, so when they start with you know Jane Doe, you know, and they're checking her over her body, the moment he went, there's no sign of rigor mortis. That's when I was like, oh, that's weird. That's not fucking normal. Yeah, you like know. all the ankles uh, and wrists are broken, broken, yet there's no sign of restraints. Yeah, yeah. So there's internal damage, but no external damage. Yeah. And so the weirdness starts to. Uh, present itself more and more yeah. especially when they cut her open and there's blood well they yeah they check her tongue first don't they but, and, yeah. and, and the tongue has been severed and as as the things start to mount up like with the more experience you probably have with horror movies you start to go right okay not only is this not normal but this is kind of situated in one kind of section of the paranormal and especially like you said when they when they've 
when they've sliced her and there's still blood, you know, coming out, which there should not be, especially with how where how the body was found. And then the fact that like, oh, is it they they find that the internal organs have all got scars on them, as if they've been punctured multiple times. You as know, if the lungs had been set on fire. Yeah, the lungs are blackened as fuck. They've been set on fire or whatever. And you, you my mind immediately went to witchcraft. You know, immediately, like, whatever had happened to the, Even before they'd um, started cutting her open, the, the, the cutting out of the tongue and the broken feet and wrists, I was like, well, that's fucking Warlock. I've seen Warlock with Julian Sands. That's fucking witchcraft shit. You know, when it got to the point where they fucking peeled her skin off and there was fucking writing all over it, I was just like... If, if it's not fucking witchcraft, what the fuck is it? She's wrapped up in the Necronomicon, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's other things that start to go awry as well because they also find uh, or hear something in, in the air vent. Yeah. And they find Stanley the cat who's yeah. been mutilated by something. Yeah. And he kind of has to euthanize it and then he puts it in the furnace. And Man, uh, that was pretty non-emotional well i like mean the way I, I know, it was there. all internalized yeah, you I could know. feel it coming but, from him like and i felt that with the cat like he was holding the cat and it was just like right the cat is mortally wounded you know but there was just no words between the two of them and then yeah. dad just went snap and then took it to the uh took it to the furnace now I, I, i'm I, like oh I, man I, I should have at least said i'll call the vet <laughs> pre-warn them <laughs> Well, it was something I found fascinating about their characters was uh, how matter of fact and how cold they are about the subject of death. Like, they're, yeah, like, yeah. like as a general audience member watching all this gore, it's like, oh my god, it's realistic and horrible. Yet these two characters are completely unfazed by it all, and so you know, death surrounds them every day. So you know, it's, this, it's, they're pretty this, matter of fact about it. This is not normal fucking death as well. And and the son picks up on that a couple of times, doesn't he? Like, does he even say like she tried to stop them? from looking like she was playing the song on the radio I, I i i kind of missed a couple of dialogue pieces like i said there was um there was a there was a bit where the son was talking to his dad and he was trying to stop him from cutting her open even more it was the dad that was inquisitive enough to go like we, we really need to keep looking and keep going because we need to find out how this woman died and the moment we can find out how she died then that will explain all of this weird stuff but the son was just, uh, he was getting more and more freaked out to the point that I honestly thought at one point she was just going to jump up, kill the dad and torture the son for the rest of the movie. <laughs> but the fucking bitch just kept laying there. That's, that's what I think is <laughs> even more frightening as, as well. Because there's a, there's a sequence sort of at the mid, late to midpoint of the film, which uh, I've got as a favourite scene as well. Right, right, it's yeah. It's absolutely really impressive the way all the tension and suspense all builds up to... Uh, this explosion uh, where, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the autopsy still. Um, but then, you know, like the uh, the lock, one of the locker uh, doors yes. keeps opening. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. one's slowly opening, the way that the camera builds, the music builds. Yeah. Uh, before all of the lights explode. Yeah. I was like, that moment was fantastic. And that was obviously for me where I'm like, okay, like any sort of like thriller murder investigations out the window because now you need to call in the supernatural boys yeah, yeah, because yeah. Some, something serious is going on here yeah. uh, and especially with that song that keeps playing on the radio when you hear the thump as the, after the door the, the drawers have opened and yeah. you hear the thump thump and you go that's the bodies because you knew that there were at least four bodies yes. in yeah. a drawer
And then, of course, it, the, the whole atmosphere is elevated as well by the, the radio presenter announcing how the storm is getting more violent and closer and you can't actually leave. Yeah. And then, coincidentally, the tree falls down outside. We don't see it. Yeah. But we know that they cannot leave. And so that whole then, you know, trapped in a haunted house. And, and then it's that moment where they hear the bell. Yeah. And it's getting closer and closer to them. I was like, that was chilling yeah because it was set up so well and the payoff here uh, it, it, it the film peaks here we did that earlier bit which which fucking sent the shivers up my spine was where he come around the corner and there's this like mirror up on the top wall so you can see around the corner um and he turns and look and it's just a figure there you don't see who it is or whatever it's just a figure um and then the figure is gone but now it builds up to him and Brian Cox escaping out of the room um, and running to try to escape, but they can't. And then they can hear a noise. Um, you know, we, they can hear the bell coming down the corridor and they, they've managed to get this ax. And so the idea is to try to get to their elevator. Cause I was really confused where the entrance to this fucking place was, you know, like wherever the entrance was, you walked in and took the elevator down. And if you weren't in the elevator, then when you went up, they were on the, I mean that those two doors that they kept trying to open, was that to the roof? Uh, no, I think it was because they were in the basement. So that would have been up to like garden ground level. Right. So that'd be, yeah, garden, like a storm, garden ground you know, level. And yeah. the elevator would take them up to the actual house yeah. and then outside. Because you didn't really ever see the inside of the house. Only uh, briefly at the beginning. Briefly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, they, they decide they're going to race to the elevator and they're going to try and get out. And then obviously the pressing button. And, you know, typical horror movie the elevator is taking a little while longer to get down there than normal. Um and they, it finally gets in there, and as they're waiting to hit the button, Brian Cox takes the axe, and he's ready to defend his son from whatever fucking thing comes around the corner. And you you followed this thing. It's walking down the corridor. You're like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this thing come around the corner. And when it does, Brian Cox nails the girlfriend, and she's now dead. And you're like, oh, where the fuck did she come from? Yeah, accidentally killed Emma. And so... Well, I mean, we know where she went. She went to watch a movie, and I guess the movie's finished. Now she's come back to, to pick up Austin but, yeah. to go home. Yeah. Um, but uh, she took an axe to the chest instead. But we, but that's the that's the thing for me. Like, we saw from from dad and son's view of what they were seeing, and it was building up, and it was scary as fuck. I kind of wanted to see what she had seen. Probably you know, nothing. Just normal. Probably, just... you know, heard a noise at the elevator. She's walking around shouting Austin, Austin, which they can't hear because the Jane Doe Because of supernatural whatever is going on. Blocking everything. <laughs> yeah. Um and so she's dead. And so it kind of harkens back to the beginning where you're just like, ah, murder suicide. Yeah. You know, this body has an influence on everybody else around. And so they go back into the morgue and they think that the best way to destroy the body is to set fire to it. And so they cover it with this fuel and they set fire to it. And other than set fire to the room, it kind of doesn't kind do of, anything. Yeah, projects it back out into yeah. the room, which sets the camera on fire, the ceiling's on fire. They put out, put everything out with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. But yeah, and then they look at the body as the fire just goes out. And it's like not even a blemish. Not even there. Uh, but then, so they have to continue to investigate this corpse. They've got no choice, really, but to continue figuring out what's going on. Yeah. And they also figure out a piece of evidence that they had earlier yeah, the when fabric. folded up yeah. actually gives a Bible reference. Uh, and then based on some of the, the flowers that they pulled from her yeah, veins and yeah, stuff, yeah. they eventually pin her down to being uh, um, a, a victim of the Salem tr witch, witch trial. Yeah. Uh, and so they're just like, well, maybe she was a witch or maybe she was innocent because they were all innocent. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they therefore created... they created a monster by cursing, well, inadvertently cursing the body. Uh, and so she's now perpetually causing people around her to 
to kill themselves or to kill each other. Yeah. And that's a bit odd, like, but she, that's okay. Is she okay. getting revenge or is she not even getting revenge, but it's the curse that there's been booted onto the body? Is the body even having an effect on anybody? I mean, it's very loose on that information. Yeah. But it's also very not noticeable as the film has gone on. It's just been one thing after another keeping the pace to the point well, yeah, where I mean, you're now thinking, oh fuck, how are they going to destroy this witch? Yeah. Tommy's almost killed at one point where he's you know, he's in like a bathroom and he looks and then the door slams. Yeah. And the shape takes him. Yeah. And we see like the, you know, the, the glassed over eyes. So we're like, is that a ghost of Jane Doe or what is or that? Or is she taking control but of the corpses? When when Austin gets in there, like the creature's gone, but then we still hear it go out the room somehow. Yeah. But no, Dad, there was, Dad's there was still one, alive. There was one on the other side of the door trying to bash its way in. Dad's yeah. in the bathroom. He gets trapped. So once they've gone in there, the one on the door has fucked off and the door's opened. Uh, we discussed this just before uh, we turned the camera on and I kind of get what you mean now. The whole third act... It seems it kind of just a race to the finish now. There's no real explanation. You know, Jane Doe is evil. Okay, get that. But why? Like the son even says it. Why has she killed us yet? You know, what is it that she really wants from us? And the dad's like, well, she she wants us to investigate or to seek redemption I don't think from I would, her. I think she wants anything from them other than to stop mutilating her because they find out when they cut her brain open that the brain's still active and they deduce that she's still alive somehow yeah. and also able to feel everything that they've done to her. That's why we couldn't find cause of death. She's still alive. Right, so that's what I mean. So now thinking about it, I'm like, does she want to be cured? You know, does she kind of be wanted to, you know, baptized and I'd stuck back so. in the ground <laughs> and, and, you know, relieved to be a witch. But every time she's found, she's so angry from whatever pain or torment has been put onto her or is being put onto more onto her at that point that she lashes out with her magical abilities and kills people around her, which then scares everybody and goes, well, let's fucking dump the bitch. Whether she there is any kind of consciousness in there at all, and I mean, it's there's, just <laughs> there's got to be because she's she's pretty fucking smart. She she I mean she's got to be smart enough to 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 block dad and son's um, senses that they kill a woman without even knowing that she was ever there, you know, and pushing it to the point that Brian Cox even says to the body at one point, like I you know i'll take on the curse if you you know if you punish me let my son go you know do the do, do put the pain on me and so she 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 hears that and goes okay fucker let's see what happens and so she snaps his ankles which rejuvenates hers yes you know mm -hmm. snaps his wrist um fucking he takes the slashes on the inside on his chest he even breathes out smoke at one point because his lungs have been burnt um and, and i mean this is like i said this was another bit of dialogue that i, I may have kind of missed but it was like the dad convinces the son to kill him to stop the curse or to stop her from escaping because Jane Doe's rejuvenating at this moment. Yeah. You know, the scars that they've done on her are all gone. You know, she's she's even... Yeah, her eyes has got her eye colour back. Going, yeah. So I'm expecting this bitch to get up at any point once Brian Cox croaks. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but that's not what happens because um, Austin stabs his dad. 
Yeah. And he dies there and uh, and then the sort of the storm sounds evaporate. Yeah. And then uh, we hear the... It's like the, the curse has been stopped. Yeah. And then we can hear some people trying to chainsaw their way in outside. Like, we're going to get you out of there. We're, we're going to get you out. out. Yeah. And Austin comes running all the way up to the thing and he's just waiting. He's like, I can't open it. I can't open it. And then after a small lull... I find out he's been tricked as the guy starts singing the song from the radio. Yeah. And that all hope just floods out of him at this mo- moment as he realizes the nightmare is not over. And then Ghost Dad appears <laughs> and over the banister he goes. So did she kill Austin because she was going to be saved from the curse? I think so. I think she was and pissed. And he that, fucking killed yeah, her. That, and she was that, pissed. That he messed it up. Well, that's pretty smart then. She'd probably be fucking intelligent. Well, that's be not too intelligent. That's, all emo- that's just she emotional tricked, reacting. She tricked him. She could have killed him with anything from, from what we've seen. But instead she purposely tricks him with the cop voice. Throwing her fucking voice outside the building. Singing back to him. And then pushing. I mean that breakneck was pretty badass. But then the sheriff does turn up again in the morning and finds everybody dead, and the and Jane Doe still lying there like perfectly fine. No <laughs> and he's problem. like, you know what? Fuck this. Get dump, the bodies out of my state. <laughs> like it's somebody else's bitch. problem. Yeah, fuck it. Like, what? Dump, dump, dump her in a forest somewhere. Did she put the bell on her own toe? Well, no, there was no bell there. It was just a bell sound effect. For oh, it was kind yeah, of a it was gag. A bell. It was a gag, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just like honestly, I'm. I'm it, it, it didn't feel too mean spirited, but it's not. I kind of felt like uh, Austin should have survived at the end of this one. Mm. It just felt a bit, a bit, uh, a bit. Yeah, I a thought bit it mean, was a cool twist, especially killing off Emma and the dad as but well. I just wish I'd had a bit more explanation as well. Like if he had gotten away, would mm. she have been stopped, or would she have still been cursing? Yeah, I did, did. you know the fact that she's killed him off. We know that the curse is still going, so yeah. that's kind of cool. But that's the thing: if if she'd let him go, I'd have been I'd have been more relieved if Brian Cox had taken all the wounds onto himself. He'd escaped, and when yeah. they come back, she's gone. But and he's, he's the one who's kind of now in that limbo state that she was in when they. Found oh no, her. he's just on the floor, fucked up. Oh, uh, oh. Brian Cox is just on the floor, fucked up, and Jane Doe's like gone off for a party. You know, she's got her hair back, but escaped, she's, she's yeah. yeah, she's still witchy. <laughs> but in this way, like that, she does still escape. But in a way, it's like I kind of want a Jane Doe too. <laughs> well, what were your favorite scenes from? Oh your man, of Jane Doe. I mean, like I kind of want to say all of it, you know, because it was all pretty goddamn good. Um, but to just keep it easy, I, I'd say from the moment. Um, Brian Cox starts the autopsy up to stage four, I suppose it is, when, you know, they realise that they're they're really fucking with something that they shouldn't. You know, if you just took that, um, you know, and put a start and end on it, you'd have a really awesome short movie, mm-hmm. you know, between uh, Emil Hirsch uh, and Brian Cox. Uh, this extra stuff at the end, you know, that that's what makes it a bigger uh, blockbuster movie or whatever. Um, but... Then going through stage one about the investigation, how tall she is, what she looks like, any blemishes, blah, blah, blah. To stage two, the internal, well, just the internals of the mouth and the fingernails, you know, and that, you know, where they find the peat, you know, and then stage three is like, we're cutting this fucking bitch open. And then stage four is like, oh my God, what the fuck's going on? Let's fucking put it back in, put it back in. Yours? Yeah, there's uh, quite a few, <laughs> quite a few scenes. Most of them we already mentioned. Uh, but yeah, t- t- Tommy and Austin working together, figuring it out. Just like father and son, 
at work after hours. Yeah. He's still teaching his son little little bits of information to help make him better at his role. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then all of the the dissections and the autopsies, and then after pulling weird things out like a flower, and then pulling out the book to to discover what it is, like yeah. all of that stuff. It's all very procedural, you know, and uh, and it works that way because. The film's slowly moving from reality into the supernatural, and yeah. so uh, watching these kind of men of science, yeah, uh, you know, try to understand that something beyond them is playing with them, yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, all of the science stuff is really good, and the two actors, fantastic. Uh, I, I really love the radio in the background. It's a bit cliched, you know, like the, the, the radio just playing one song or whatever. It's a very tropey thing. But but it's the little messages. That yeah, exactly. That the, the, the song worked, the tone worked because it goes so against, you know, what's going on on screen. Uh, and then hearing the, the guy singing it at the end, it's just very chilling. Very, very chilling. <laughs> Uh, and then I guess, like I said, my, my favorite scene in the film is when they do open the chest and mm. then the, you know, the cabinet doors start to open, the storm yeah. kicks up and then the lights explode. The way that all ramped up was uh, almost to perfection, I'd say. Just really, really well done scene. Ian, do you recommend the film? I do recommend this movie. Um, it's, it's creepy as fuck. Um, the, the, the director for Trollhunter did really really well like thinking about it now maybe it would have been cool as just video footage found video footage like he'd done with Trollhunter you know and, and you'd go well, they did have that. cameras in it didn't they they did have cameras in it but you know with, without that it, it still really really works like I said I can't praise Brian Cox enough I'm you know knock on wood nothing bad happens now because he's that fucking good um he plays the dad really, really well. Emil Hirsch uh, plays the son really, really well. And while they're just over the body, the actress and you know playing the body plays it so well that I just I kept waiting for her to get up, and she fucking never did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to be recommending the autopsy of Jane Doe. I think this is a very well-made thriller that horror fans should definitely check out. The film's central mystery and narrative is highly compelling as the autopsy reveals more questions than answers building great suspense as the natural order gives way to more supernatural events. The final act being perhaps the weakest, as the more interesting plot points give way to slightly cliched ghosts in the basement jump scares, but the film more than earns your attention with a solid first two acts. Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch were perfectly cast as father and son, and they really shine here as both actors are given plenty to do on screen showing a range of emotions as the reality they knew starts to crumble and the horrors unfold. And, of course, special mention to Owen Catherine Kelly, who endured weeks of uncomfortableness to ensure those scenes looked as real as possible. The effects work was very impressive and often stomach-churning, as they dissect hearts and lungs and brains and reveal all manner of surprises that lay under the skin in a very cold and believable way. The ghosts and ghouls were suitably well done, with good uh, setup and payoffs for their reveal as a quick shock. Uh, so yeah, I, I do recommend this one for its atmosphere, great performances, and an interesting story and location. It's well worth a watch, especially for horror fans. Everybody has a secret. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.